with me in the locker rooms. Like, you know, he kind of, he knew like how I get ready. So he kind of left me alone, but he was just there. But I had like my headphones in just trying to, you know, get ready for the fight. And man, I'm going to go into something because I, uh, uh, a fighter out there, one of, one of these fighters, one of my, my idols actually is, is uh, Donald Cerrone, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. He fights UFC. He used to fight in the WEC. I love his fighting style. Me, I, I'm, I like striking. I like groundwork too, but I, I love Muay Thai kickboxing. Um, you know, anything to do with striking, like I love. That's that's like my favorite part of, of MMA. And I used to love watching, you know, Cowboys fights. And he had um, a video that he shot one time. And it was, man, he, he described it perfectly about how you feel walking in like the the day of he described the whole day and i'm going to do my own description and stuff i'm not biting off of that at all but you know he, he hit a lot of points on the head you know you wake up and you're just you're ready like you're you're hyped you're like yes all right cool you uh you get to the arena and you're still like yeah i'm ready to go you're, you're still in regular clothes you're not even in your mma gear yet they sit you down they tell you the rules you see your opponent you know some of the showy guys they're kind of acting like they have beef or anything but my opponent was very respectful very very awesome person we we sparred a little bit after the fight later you know because I, I became i guess you say like a teammate of his um but leading up to that like you, you're very hyped and you're just ready to go and then you start getting ready you start doing your warm-ups and that's the weirdest freaking part of the whole day because you start warming up and it's like 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 nothing feels like it's really working you know like you're like like if you're like a robot and somebody didn't turn on all the switches to turn you on completely and you're like what the heck is going on with me like you're they're, they're telling you you know basic combinations jab cross hook on the pads just till you warm up do you think it's like uh your mind starts playing tricks on you like um doubting yourself a little bit oh definitely that's that's 100 percent. you know and i don't know if it's the same for everyone but i know this exactly how it was for me like I, simple combinations i couldn't put together i was like throwing jab jab cross and they just told me to throw uppercuts or something and i'm like what the heck like what's going on and i, I feel heavy you know like my my limbs don't want to work like i'm forcing myself and i'm like oh my god like what why am i feeling like this like i was just so good this whole time like did, did i work out too much like did i do something that i shouldn't have and you're like oh my and then you got that going on. Meanwhile, you have, you know, my father's there. You have people sending you text messages, bro, you got this. And, and you're like, all right, everybody just shut the hell up. Like, stop telling me stuff. Stop telling me I got this. I like, appreciate it, but yeah, I don't care like, right now. <laughs> I, I need to work through this. And, and, and people don't see that. They just see you, you know, doing your thing. And, and, you know, your, your support system, usually like by support system, I don't mean necessarily like your teammates, but mostly your family, your friends who aren't necessarily a part of the sport. They just know that you're the guy that they know that fights. So in their head, you could probably beat anybody and you got to go in there and do what you got to do. And like they expect this awesome, spectacular win that they see on TV from all these other fighters. And, and they think that you're that person. So while they're all thinking that, you understand the reality of the game, which is, dude, I can get caught with a cross on accident and go down in front of all these people within 13 seconds. You know, you look at fighters like Conor McGregor and, and, and Jose Aldo, they, you know, that was what, 13 second fight? Jose Aldo is one of the greatest. You know, Conor McGregor's awesome, obviously, um, as, as far as the fight game goes. And here he is, Jose Aldo just gets dropped. So you see stuff like that. 
And in your head, you're like, oh my, you know the reality. Like, I, I know this is what I love to do. I know I got to get it done. But, you know, what if that happens? What if I get that crazy kick that knocks me out? Your, your family doesn't understand that. You know, you're going to look like a bitch in front of everybody. You're going <laughs> to hit the canvas. So you're like trying to work through this and everybody's just like on you. Everybody's just, you know, like, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, you're going to, you're going to wreck this guy. And you're like, shut up. Cause what if I don't wreck this guy? Like, you're not going to tell them that. So then like, you know, now, now it comes to walk and that's, that's like, they tell you like, Hey, look, you know, Sergio, you're, you're up, you know, get ready. And you're like, okay, I, I got to do this. Like, you know, all there's, this hype. Now there's really no going there's, back. There's, there's no going back. I can't, I can't turn around now. I can't bitch out and, and say, nope, this isn't for me. Like, I just hyped myself up and told all these people that I know that this is what I supposedly love to do. And so, like, we start walking out there and, you know, you see all these people. They don't know who the heck you are. They're just screaming because they, they want to, you know, see something happen. And, you know, that's that's also what happens is, you know, I didn't know a lot about my opponent, but I'm, I'm walking out there. And people think, you know, you see some people walk out with like a face, but I'm going to be honest. I had kind of like a serious look, like I was like ready, but on the inside I was like, Oh my God, what the heck is about to happen? So you're uh, like, what the fuck did I just get myself? <laughs> so, pretty much, man. I mean, so then, you know, I'm like, all right, you know, here, you know I'm, I'm waiting there. I'm in the cage. I'm doing my little warm up thing. And then I hear them introduce my opponent. And then they start going down his credentials that I had never heard until that day. And they're like, like this one, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. They're like, oh, you know, I was told from my scam artist of a coach at the time that, you know, my opponent had like almost no ground game. And in my head, I'm like, okay, I've grappled for a few months. That means I should beat this guy. Come to find out he's a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And nice. anybody listening who, <laughs> who doesn't know what that is, you know, that's that's the belt right before black belt before you're really really like at by brown belt you're actually very very good at jujitsu basically um so i'm like okay i didn't know that but whatever i'm here and then i also hear he is like the like a muay thai kickboxing champion in in venezuela or something like that i'm like (laughs) oh man this is gonna be fun so you know i'm like sitting in the cage and then he gets in there so now if anything now there's more worries. If it wasn't bad before, now there's even more worries. Yeah. And the, the funniest thing, though, man, and, and like I said, I, I mentioned uh, Cowboy Cerrone's, you know, he had mentioned it, and it's it was very true, you know. I went from worrying to them shutting the cage, and then I, it just left. And I was like, let's do this. Like, here we go. Like, it's like like a roller coaster you're dying to get on, and then you're on it. You're like, yes, let's start this ride already. I'm ready to go. So then you know they look at me and like, fire, are you ready? Fire, are you ready? And I'm like, yeah. So they they start, and it's like, you know what? Let's let's do this. So I get out there, and I'm like, you know, like, I wasn't. I'm gonna be honest. I, I really wasn't ready for that fight, but I don't regret it like <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, and the the reason I say I wasn't ready because and anybody who competes amateur pro, you, they can understand this part for sure. You know, there's a lot to fighting that people don't understand. You know, at the time, did I know how to throw elbows? Did I know how to throw proper kicks and knees and punches? Of course. Could I put combinations together? Yes. But what I didn't have was I didn't know how to use the mental game, which is the best part about mixed martial arts or any martial arts in general, is the mental game. It's how to play with your opponent, how to not let your opponent play with you mentally. And so I went in there. I threw like some 
crazy punches. I threw this, you know, I remember throwing like a right leg, like round kick right off the bat. And in my head, I was like, yeah, I threw that hard kick. And then I'm like, wait, now what? Like, he's not down. He didn't even look hurt. (laughs) This is like a couple of seconds into the fight. I still got to fight some more. So, you know, I, I start keeping up with him. You know, we're like trading blows. He's honestly getting the better of me. Uh, I think at one point I, I practiced shooting in like so many times and the day I was supposed to perform and actually shooting in is, is when you're when you're going down to try to take somebody's leg from under them. So I was, you know, trying to, to uh, execute that. But I did none of the actual technique. I just bent over and reached for his leg <laughs> and he caught me with a nice knee and it, it opened me up. I had, you know, I was bleeding to look kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. Um, still have a scar? still do still to this day he branded me the jerk <laughs> but uh so you know he, he caught me with that but dude in that fight like i didn't feel it in my head like i was bleeding a lot but it felt like sweat i was like oh, okay i'm sweating great so was that the losing strike right there no i didn't get knocked out what i think he so i'll get to that after actually um we were still fighting um i got him up against the cage and that was where his experience really, you can see that the, the levels were different by far because I had what you call like double underhooks. That's, that's normally a good thing to get. That means you have control of your opponent. And I had control of him, but I didn't know what to do with it. So I pretty much literally pulled him on top of me. And by that time, I, I wasn't hurt. I wasn't tired. My mental status was defeated. Because I, I just like, I don't know what to do. I, I, I've trained forever, but I actually never trained any of this stuff. And so he got on top of me. You know, he's throwing some punches. I didn't even feel the punches. I just remember kind of like, you know, all right, what do I do? Trying to figure out what the heck I'm supposed to do. And then I just remember him. I remember, I knew what he was going for. He was going for what's called an arm bar. And it's, it's a type of submission on, on your arm. And the second I saw him going for it, had I been in that fight now, I would have fought through that crap. Like I know for a fact, you know, that that fight would have gone totally different. It's always easier to say that after the fight, of course, but you know, the reactions, the the training, the mental state that I have now, I had none of this back then. We're talking about years of years of experience. And what happened is, you know, he caught me in the arm bar and I tapped immediately. Um, and I just remember getting up in the cage and, and just sitting there like, what the heck? Like, was it, did was it just like an immediate reaction of you of yours or was it more like a I know what can happen so let me just tap now yeah it was the the, the second one the latter uh it was definitely you know maybe I can fight this but there's no point like this guy is clearly ahead of me and right now the position he's in so I think at that point it was more respect it was yeah more yeah, respect yeah. I, 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 and I know that's yeah. kind of a weird thing to say because you're tapping out, but it's more of, again, I know what can happen. I respect the guy. Yeah. I've seen what he's doing to me, so let me just go out now. And and to his credit, too, I mean, it was really, really tight. You know, he had the submission locked in. Like, even if I didn't have the respect, my arm would have probably been broken had I not tapped. And, you know, I mean, you have all types of trainers and coaches and, and different mentalities in the sport. Some people might be like, oh, you know, you're, you're a bitch because, oh, why didn't you just see it through? And it's like, what's the point? You know, let my arm break. So now I can't train for another couple months, maybe a year, depending on how it breaks. You know, then I'm out of the game and 
coming from a loss and an injury, that's hard to recover from mentally if you're not prepared for those types of things. I wasn't prepared for those types of things. I was I was still what considered new in the game. I was only like a year and some change into it. I went pro very, very early, but I fought a bunch of, I don't want to call them scrubs, but we all kind of were very new when I was fighting amateur. I stepped into that pro game and these guys, these all these guys were fighting for years. You know, some of them kind of had a similar past as mine were probably green, but I wasn't fighting that person. I was fighting the experienced fighter. Um, but, you know, I, I sat there and I, I respected him a lot for this because had, had he not done what he did, I don't know how quickly I would have recovered from the loss as far as like wanting to get back in the gym and train. I just remember sitting in the cage right after it, like, wow, first round so quickly. And I had all this hype and I, I had this whole vision of how the fight was going to play out. And it comes down to this and I'm sitting there and like, my dad still looked proud. He was like excited period. He didn't care if I won or lost, but you know, I couldn't see any of that in my head. I, I just lost. And I just talked a bunch of shit to everybody that I was going to be so great. Yeah. And he, I get up, you know, he, he's like, he's like, dude, keep at this. You're young, man. Um, he was what, 29, he was 29 at the time. He's 10 years older than me. And he's like, keep at it. I'm telling you like, and in my head, I'm like, why the heck would he say that? And then he, he goes up to my father and he tells my dad, he's like, look, your son, dude, that's a tough freaking kid. You know? He, from what he told me later on, he was expecting to knock me out, but I just would not go down. You know, I mean, granted, the fight didn't last long enough for him to maybe set up anything, but I was moving forward. I wasn't backing up. I wasn't letting him get enough time. Like, I stayed pressure. He was hitting me the whole time, but now, yeah. Because I want to move on to your passion now. Okay. <laughs> um, but I do want to ask you one thing why only one pro fight um all right so uh, i get asked that quite a bit actually so i love fighting I, um I, I love mma and stuff but uh i did want to do a few more um those who know what it is it's it's a it's a different type of struggle that people don't realize they think you get in this and there's just fights waiting for you all over the place and the reality is it's it's really it's a really tricky situation. You got to get in with the right people. I was in with the right people, but you know, people call out of fights, people cancel shows, like so many things happen and then you start going through like fight camps and stuff. Um I remember just getting ready for training, you know, to get ready for a fight camp because my my new coach was telling me like I think it was like two or, two or three times that I was going to have another fight coming up soon to start getting ready, you know, and he was going to let me more, know more details. He had like two or three people in mind. And, um, I, I know one of them, he was like, yeah, I want you to fight this person. So let's, let's train, let's get ready. And, and training, it's, it's not just sparring. It's not just pad work. Like it's a lot of work, you know, um, you know, a, a Saturday for me, at that time, I had a, another coach that I would go to the football fields and stuff with, and we would train for like four hours doing strength, conditioning, technique. Then after that, I'd go right back to, to the gym and start sparring. And they, they had this one drill where you get in the cage and you do a five-minute round with a, a, another one of your, your teammates. And, you know, tap, if you tap because you got submitted, you stand up and you finish the round. You keep going. And then 
that person steps out of the cage and they put somebody who's not tired and you got to fight that person and you do that for like three or four rounds sometimes so anyway uh to to answer your question um to make money i started teaching and i started to realize that i i liked teaching i liked talking to people about it i liked seeing them grow in martial arts and i liked seeing them develop even if it wasn't a full love like I had, but just some sense of, of love for what I like to do. And I, I started to have a passion for that just to make money to pay for my training. And as time went on, as I, I wasn't I wasn't getting any fights, and then I had other things in my life going on, like, you know, I had a breakup um, with an ex. I, I didn't have a car. I had crappy. Uh, you know about that, that breakup. Um, so... Uh, what you call it. so you know as i was going through all that stuff i was like man you know what? i really like teaching and i'm not a bitch i've stepped in that cage and i would do it again in a heartbeat if they gave me a fight I, at this point in the game I, I wouldn't mind taking on a fight i still spar a lot of the guys but so i don't i don't want well just to answer the fully the question right, right, right. go ahead go ahead <laughs> see jeremy oh my God. <laughs> but I realized I, I didn't have a desire to be a champion. I don't think I ever even had that desire. I just wanted to do it. just wanted to step in there. And from that developed my passion for teaching it and showing it. And that's the part that led me to where I'm at now. So, so go ahead. My question before I interrupted you interrupted me <laughs> <laughs> was now fast forwarding you're in law enforcement how much of mixed martial arts and what you learn with mixed martial arts has to do with your your wanting and needing of law enforcement okay so it's it's a huge deal uh it's it's a it's it's not necessarily a huge part of my job, but it is a huge part of why I started to choose this path. Um, not going to college, not being in the military, you know, I didn't have a lot of options as far as what I wanted. I mean, I did have options, but I just wasn't a college person. You know, I'm not an idiot by any means. I'm not some like meathead that just, oh, I just want to hit a bag. Like, no, I, I I appreciate the philosophy. I appreciate the arts for what they are, but I needed something to do. I needed a career and I could make a career out of teaching, but that stuff takes time and, and some resources to really own your own gym. And then once you have a gym that comes with a whole new set, set of, of obstacles. And that's, that's still a dream of mine, but that's for later down the road. But I did know that I wanted to teach and I wanted to figure out what I can do that can still lead me there. And while I was working security for a casino, I I won't say which one, um, I I started to befriend a lot of officers, you know, and because of the martial arts, I tend to walk a certain way, carry myself a certain way. Yes, you do. Um, I, a a lot of fighters, a lot of, you know, good, humble fighters that I know, like there's a certain air to some of them that, that like it for the art that it is not just because they want to go in and smash somebody's face and they kind of carry themselves the same way. You know, you try to be humble. You, you understand that I don't care how great you are, how professional, how, how many years of experience and fighting you have. You can go outside, find some random person that knows nothing, 
say, I'm going to fight you. And that person can still knock you out. Like it can happen. You know, the chances of that are probably, you know, very, very small depending on your training, but it can still happen. You know, you got what's called like a puncher's chance and stuff like that. So, you know, we know what it is. We know what it's like to, to compete for metal and money. So you ref- befriend officers working at the casino. Yeah, sorry. I tend to go off on this. Uh, <laughs> rant. It's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of stuff. Sergio, we only have an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Gosh. We could do three more. Pe- we'll do episodes. more podcasts. Okay, I got you. So, yeah, uh, I befriend a, a lot more police officers. They, they, they like the way I carry myself. And... They start telling me, hey, why, why don't you consider law enforcement? I mean, uh, I, I've, I've tried military. The problem was when I did my application for, I believe, the Coast Guard, I put on there that I was allergic to bees, not thinking anything of it. <laughs> but apparently being allergic to bees because anything that can send you an anaphylactic shock, they will not take you. So I was like, oh, so I can't, like, I have all this youth and energy and I can't be in the military. Don't, don't look at your muscles. For those people that can't see, actually <laughs> nobody can see, but he, he just literally flexed and looked at his muscles for no fucking reason. He right wanted now. to point that out <laughs> because he looked at me in a certain way and he wanted to make it seem like he wasn't looking at me in that way. Okay, buddy. Calm down. I have a fiance. Okay. <laughs> so you end up applying for the p- police. Um. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, okay. So and it doesn't go... Yeah. Well, so quite as it was supposed to. Not at all. Well, at least it didn't go as smooth as I thought because I, I was, this is a whole new area that I never considered. And there were, I had a, a, a lot of good officers that were, were coaching me into it. And you didn't get hired as a police officer. No. You got so, hired as a service aide. Yeah. So, well, here's what happened. I applied for a few cities. Um, the first one I applied to, like in my head, you just apply for the job. You do the interview. The interview goes well. You get the job. So I applied for the first city and the interview went perfect, you know, and they, they made me sign uh, like an intent to hire form and all this. And I'm like, great, I got this. My first shot, you know, I got the job. <laughs> this is going to be cake. And then they tell me, you know, you got to take a psych evaluation. And I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy. So that's nothing. And I find out what psyche vows, you know, really are. And I failed one. And I was like, What? Am I crazy? And then they, and they I started to learn like, no, you're, you're not crazy. It's just for that city, for that department, they, they have requirements of what they're looking for in someone's mental state. And for specific cities, they might be looking for one thing that another department. And, and again, it doesn't mean that you're crazy. It just means it, it, that it, it means maybe one word might have alerted them to something that they were looking the complete opposite for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they look so at it's everything. Not, it's not particularly negative. Yeah, it's it's, it's just it's, that that's not what they were looking for. Yeah, and I I know a bunch of people. So anybody listening to this that that's considering law enforcement, you know, when you do psyche vows, don't get disheartened because you think like, oh my great, now I'm crazy. You're not crazy. It doesn't even mean that you're not meant to be a police officer. It just means for either that specific time in your life. Or just for that department period, they just feel however they feel about your not being able to handle some part of the job that may arise. And, and it's different for every department, too. So you can take a psyche valve and completely bomb it on one city, go to another agency, and they're like, yeah, you're perfect for us. You know, um, so a lot of officers really like 
started to let me know that that's normal. Like they've taken like three or four psychs and they've passed like, you know, the final one and stuff. So I, I didn't get hired on as a police officer with that agency. Um, one of the officers was like, Hey, you know, we're hiring not for an officer, but we're hiring for a service aid, which, you know, you still get to learn the radio and how to use codes and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll apply for it. I got it. And at the time I, I had no car. I had, I was, I was with a bicycle and, and this is a little off topic. I know, but I have to go off. I have to mention her a little bit, but my fiance, you know, I, I put in a lot of this work, but a lot of the pushing my, my fiance was awesome. I met her with, with nothing. She met me, you know, with a bicycle and, and, and I had drive and I, I think I'm a good person. She knew that. And she was already working for a city. She was making decent money and stuff. She was getting ready to go to law school and all this. And, you know, I would on any given day would always, I tell anybody till this day, I still think she's out of my league, but, uh, you know, she saw something in me and, and, help me like I hate filling out paperwork she was like I'll help you fill out paperwork I was like yeah I gotta take these tests but I don't have the money and she was like oh well, I'll pay for it and I'm like no I'm a, I'm a man you know I should yeah, be able to pay for that uh that men yeah manly you got that mentality. ego and I'm like a woman pay for my test that's ridiculous and she was like all right well I'm gonna put it to you this way so you were she she told me I remember this I'll never forget it that's why I love her um she told me uh so you would rather continue to not be able to, to go take us out on dates and continue to not have a car and stay at your grandmother's house because you can't afford to pay for the test, then you would rather do that than have me, someone who cares about you, pay for the test so you can get the job and career that you want and that way you don't have to feel insecure and that way you don't have to let me pay for anything. And when she told me that, I mean, I was, I had nothing to say. I was like, yeah, you just, you just called me out. So she, she paid for, for my tests, like the, you know, physical, like agility tests and stuff you got to take to get into these departments. Um, so anyway, fast forward, I, I get the job as a service aide starting off. Um, I move out of my grandmother's house. I get a car. Um, she was in Boston. She got into law school. And we did when it. you got the Mustang. Yeah, <laughs> the fucking Mustang. I love that car. I miss it. I miss it, but I don't. She was, she was a bitch. Let, let me tell you something. I hated Sergio so much when he got the Mustang. I hate that car so much. He only hates it because it was amazing. He was jealous. But and I actually, it broke and, down all and, the time, but he was jealous. <laughs> and actually, I remember, and again, off topic, but I remember because that car was stick. And I remember when you were learning to drive the stick. <laughs> that was a shit show. <laughs> you know, it was, but I, I learned, didn't I? I wish <laughs> you have no clue how many times I wish I had a camera with me. Yeah, well, you lost your chances. I don't think I'll ever go back to stick shift. My, I don't have the knees for it anymore. <laughs> uh, so you get the, the job as a service aide. You do it for how long? Uh, I was there for like two years, and that, that I, I owe a lot of uh, owe a lot of good things to that department. But at the same time, it was kind of miserable. Uh, the way they ran that place, I just I just didn't agree with. Um, and I was getting in trouble for stuff that, you know, not to not to be the person that passes the blame and acts like they have no faults. But everybody knew that, you know, when somebody, a certain person in power in that uh, department was upset, uh, somebody would get in trouble for no reason of for no fault of their own. 
it's just the way it was and i i couldn't take it um so they and on top of that i tried to be an officer with that department try to move up and you know they denied me so i was like okay well they denied you quite a lot yeah they, they denied me often and their reasonings that they have i was just like you know what if that's your reasoning for denying me then this isn't the place for me very ridiculous yeah uh, but from there from, you, so you end up applying to another yeah police so, station and i'm gonna tell you for anybody out there if you really want something bad enough like you got to put the work in and you'll get it That's you true. know what i mean uh you, you can't think inside the box and, and only do part of it like if you feel like you put out an application and they might not see it because they have hundreds upon hundreds of applications find another way to, to get yourself known to them. And, and that's, you know, that was what I did. I was like, you know what? I got nothing to lose. I'm stuck here in this job anyways. And the worst they can do is tell me no. I actually went on Facebook to this department. And th this is why, like where I'm at now, I love it there. It's, it's awesome. And they're, they're, we'll get into a little bit more of what they've done for me. But um, I, I reached out to them through Facebook Messenger and I just put it all out there. I said, hi. I'm Sergio Tavares. I currently work at this department. I do this, that, and the other. I really have goals of being a police officer, but more importantly, I want to work for your department. I don't care if I got to start from the bottom or a lower level position. I'll do whatever you need me to do. But I heard a lot of good things about your department. I'm very motivated. And, and you know, I already started the application, but I just kind of wanted to see if there's anything else I can do or that any direction you can point me into to help me achieve this goal. That's wanting it. That's, that's exactly what that is. I was, I wanted it, you know? Um, and within what, 10 minutes, maybe I get a reply from one of the recruiting officers there at that department. And they were like, okay, call this number, uh, before or after, you know, 9am or whatever. And, um, let them know this, that, and the other. I call the number. They, they tell me what I have to do. And, you know, they tell me, like, the usual things. All right, when it comes out, we'll let you know. And in my head, I'm like, all right, you know, I tried. And, no, it, they didn't forget about it. They were they kept to their word. I, it was maybe a month later. I get a random phone call. Hey, uh, is this Sergio Tavares? And I'm like, yes. They're like, well, um, we wrote you on Facebook, and we just wanted you to know we're about to put the – it's up already, but it's not up to the public but you can go apply right now. Put your application in. I was like, okay. They walk me through everything and fast forward, you know, they put me through the, there's like a service aid academy. It's like a mini police academy just with none of the shooting or arresting or anything like that. They put me through the academy and, and oh, I, I, it was such a blessing. And uh, now currently you're in the police academy for them. Yeah. So, well, really quick is that there's, there's a, a few things I think people might want to know about too. As I was in there, because we talked about martial arts and how that applied, I told them when I got in, they asked me, what, what do you want to do while you're here? It's, you know, yes, be a police officer, but, you know, being a police officer isn't just putting on a uniform and going out there. You got people that start programs for, for autism. You got people that got youth outreach programs that are officers that start these programs. And they're very big on those types of things. And I told them, well, look, you know, I, I want to teach. I want to help these officers stay safe. You know, you see all these videos that they're there. Some of them are justifiable. I, I can't say all of them. I'm not there. I'm not trying to Monday quarterback anybody. 
But some of these videos, they're, they're definitely justified in the force. The problem is, had they had a little bit more training, they could have used another technique that would have looked way better on camera. Yeah, so um, and what I mean by better on camera, I don't mean, you know, oh, yeah, so it looks like we're not doing any harm to him. No, it's just some of these techniques aren't as bad as they look to the public. But, you know, seeing somebody cock their fist back looks 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 kind of looks, looks bad. It, it's a different mentality from somebody that's seeing it firsthand that's actually there exactly than from somebody and that's sitting at home on facebook looking at it yeah and, and like there's I, a lot of that and now actually that you know you mentioned that there's a lot a lot of that there is you know and and uh like i said not not i'm not monday quarterbacking and i'm not saying that there's not you know bad officers out there and stuff like that but there's plenty of situations where for example jujitsu you can there's so many techniques to, to gain, you know, control of someone who's, you know, being unruly and, you know, you're trying to place under arrest for committing a crime um, that wouldn't give officers such a bad rep. And, and I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be part of, of the positive. And I told them that, you know, I, I want to teach. I want to teach. I do martial arts. I, I want to help with defensive tactics. And if I can, I would like to start a, a program of my own as well uh, for youth also you know, teaching them some, some tactics, some boxing, some kickboxing, just so we can start putting police and, and, and officers and, and uh, law enforcement as a whole, start putting, putting things in a better light, you know, and, and they, they ran with it. They respected it a lot. And they, they were like, all right, they let me sign up for some classes to, to become an instructor. And, uh, you know, so I've been helping and it's, it's, it's been good, man. They, they really, I really like where I'm at now. And, Fast forward to now, they, after some time, they were like, all right, you've put in the work, you've done your time, uh, we're willing to give you a chance. And they, they let me get into the police academy. So now, you know, I hope all goes well. I'm, I'm, I'm in there right now and uh, trying to get through it. And, and hopefully I do, and uh, we'll see. <laughs> so, um, touching a, a very personal Oh, you still have time? Are you good? Yeah. Okay. Um, touching a very personal moment. Um, some time ago already, um, uh, I would say that you went through probably one of the hardest moments in your life. Um, you lost your father. Yeah. Um, I want you to take the, the, the ball <laughs> the, the, here. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, t 2018 as a whole was a pretty rough year. Uh, even being in the department and all that stuff. But, you know, I think you remember, too, my, my place caught on fire. That's right. Uh, the apartment building. That's uh, we, right. We had a crazy neighbor. We were trying to get them out of there. But, you know, legally there was nothing we can do. And then I think that the ex-boyfriend set his wife's or his ex-girlfriend's lazy boy on fire and next thing and you know I think the, the next day we went moved everything out of there yeah yeah you remember and hot. yes you were mad because i didn't want to take my burnt up pots <laughs> I like, what do i want this stuff for man come on bro i remember that there was ashes everywhere ashes everywhere everywhere uh, it was mostly water damage like my place wasn't burnt up it just got a lot of the smoke like debris i guess um, so anyway, you know, the, my place had, had kind of burnt up. The department was awesome. They helped me with that too. And I, I moved and, and my dad, 
Um, he was helping me out with all that stuff as well. I remember he, he looked after my dog a few times. Um, and then after that, like the things were, were good. I got a new place and everything. I actually ended up getting engaged and, and things started seeming like, like, all right, what can go wrong right now? Like I'm on a roll here. And, uh, and then I remember my father calling me, I want to say June. Um, and he's, you know, he's, you can tell he's down and stuff. And he, he lets, he lets me know that he was diagnosed with cancer again. Um, I believe it was like liver cancer and it was serious, but you know, he wasn't, they, they weren't expecting anything super crazy right then and there. Um, so like we were looking into everything, chemo, I was trying to figure out if maybe I can do a liver transplant. And not only that, and I don't want to get to the whole gist of it, but your dad had just recovered from an injury, a really bad injury from yeah. work. He, so yeah, he, he, and he had a lot. So his body had already taken a lot at that point. Yeah. He, he had a, so it was like what two, maybe two to three years prior. He, he fell through a roof cause my father was a roofer. He fell like 40 feet and surprisingly, you know, he lived, I mean, he had like a ruptured spleen. So they, they removed his spleen. Um, but he was fine. He was able to walk, you know, um, he couldn't like play basketball or anything, but he can, he was able to live a normal life and stuff like that. Um, so because of that, he was going to get like, um, yeah, you know, because of the fall, you know, he, he was, couldn't find work and stuff like that, but he was, he was, uh, he was doing pretty good, you know? And, um, so, you know, fast forward again, he's, he, he gets this liver cancer and, uh, the liver is by itself really because basically i guess how it works like the spleen is just like the liver in a sense where it's kind of like a filtration system for your body um and since he was missing the spleen it's like his liver was working double time so they were looking into it they were trying to do chemo we tried to see if maybe he was like eligible to be a donor for like a liver transplant but in order for a liver transplant to work a specific part of the liver can't be messed up so even if the rest of the liver is completely bad, there's like one little part that needs to be fine and you can do a liver transplant. But for him, that part was one of the parts that was messed up. So liver transplant was out, was out of the question. Um, he started to uh, do chemo. And I, I remember them calling me to the hospital um, sometime in September. And uh, that, that was a little rough. Um, we knew like something was going crazy. So we get there and he's like in unspeakable pain. Like I've never seen somebody in so much pain, you know, it was like, he was in so much pain is like his brain mentally kind of reverted back to like childhood state. Like he was screaming for his mom, like a little kid would scream for their mom. And then like his eyes, he would look at you, but you know, he wasn't looking at you. He was just staring out because he was like in so much pain. Um, the, the hospital was able to let the pain go away. Uh, you know, they put drugs or whatever they put in there. And, you know, he, he was, they, they got him stable. He was calm. And so the doctor pulls he us out. He was a fighter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. He was one hell of a fighter. Yeah, he, he put up, he put up as much as he could, man. He, so he, uh, the doctors pull all of us out and they're like, look, you know, th this is what it is. You can, you know, he, his, his cancer is too aggressive. It's, there's nothing we can really do chemo might help it a little bit but they're not if he does chemo they can't stop the pain 
So what we just saw him go through with all the crazy screaming and unspeakable pain, he would have to live through going through that plus the chemo. And they're like, but still, even with the chemo, it's just going to prolong him maybe a couple more weeks than he'll have. It's not going to cure so him. What's it going to be? No difference. So they were like, you know, what we suggest is hospice care. And basically what they do is there's no like limit to what um, things they can put on you to, to what. Uh, uh, like to ease the pain. Yeah. Yeah. Like like morphine and all that. Kind yeah. of, there's not there's nece- not necessarily a limit. They just want to keep you comfortable. So they, they give like free reigns to give as much as they need to to make sure he's not in pain, to make his last whatever amount of time he has left as comfortable as possible. Um, it was rough. It was hard. Um, I remember uh, he was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and I was a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Still am. <laughs> and, you know. Whack. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> what are you, a Jets fan? Who the heck? Yes. Are they even in, when's the last time they went to the playoffs, man? So, Anyways, it's about you, not about me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, on my birthday, it turned out they were playing each other. And prior to him, literally like the, what are the odds, the, the night before he went to the hospital for all the craziness, he was like, oh, Poppy, look, you know, they're playing. Oh, I want to take you to the game. Um, both of our teams were playing each other in Tampa, which is not too far, you know, it's like a four hour drive from us. He's like, we're going to go get the tickets. Um, so he's in hospice now and the day's coming and he, he's like very emotional. He's crying a lot. Cause you know, he, he kind of knows what's going on and he still had a pretty decent attitude. Like he would still laugh and say his little jokes, but he will cry a lot. And, uh, one thing happened. I was like, Hey Bobby, you know, you're ready. The game's coming up in like two days. Um, you know, I'm going to put it, put the channel on. He's like, no, let's go. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if I die on the way. Like, let's go to the game. And I'm like, no. It's like, I ain't watching you go through that pain. And he's like, but I want it to be a good game. I was like, don't worry about it. It's going to be a good game. So a little extra money. Um, uh, I went to. Uh, uh, hold on. Yeah. It's got to. Uh, they sucked. Um, I went to uh, that store lids and I bought some. I bought us like brand new, you know, football gear. He got, I got him a, a, a Steelers hat with his name stitched in it. Um, I got him a brand new like Bettis jer- or Bettis. No, I think I got him a Roethlisberger jersey. I got me a brand new hat, Buccaneers. Which, if you go on your Facebook, you can see that picture. Yeah, that, that picture's up there still. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, Bobby, screw that. Like, whether we go to the game or not, it's still going to be an awesome game. Like, you're going to have, you know, brand new gear, you know. Um, we'll watch it. We'll get some wings. And it turned out to be a good day. Uh, you know, well, one of his, I think it was probably one of his, his better uh, of his last memories. A bunch of friends came. Um, family came over. We all watched the game. Everybody else was rocking their Pittsburgh colors and gold and black. And, you know, because him and I had this little rivalry thing, like I remember um, his girlfriend at the time was like, oh, why are you wearing Tampa Bay gear? You should be wearing Pittsburgh. And he was like, why are you telling my son what to wear? Like, you know, this is our thing. He knows, you know, what, what he's got. And so, uh, you know, it was, it was our little rivalry. And we, we weren't going to change it up just for because, you know, his situation. You know, that, that's kind of like what made it special is that we would always go back and forth. And it was nice. His team won, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it was it was a good time. And then, you know, the rest was, you know, what, what anybody who's been through that would expect. You know, slowly you, you start to see them go. 
Um, they, they don't talk as much. Then they weird th- weird things that that you never really think about that we take for granted um, start happening. Uh, yeah, um, you know, simple stuff like like sipping through a straw. You know, he, he didn't have like enough like muscles in his like. Bro, uh, he didn't have like. You had to put water in his mouth just so he can drink. And, uh, you know, you start to appreciate just a little bit of time. You, you, you can definitely tell what's coming. Um, and I, I think the, the good thing that I was fortunate about was... Um, <clears throat> sorry. So, the so. good thing that you were fortunate about was that you got to spend a lot of time. And I think... And I'm... I'm trying to pick up so that <laughs> yeah, yeah, I appreciate um, it. you, you guys made up for lost time. Yeah. We, 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 we had a lot of conversations um, prior to him not being able to talk, but when he could talk, like I remember one time he, he sat next to me and he was like, Bobby, you okay? And I was like, yeah. Uh, I got emotional then too. I started like breaking down, but then I just started like telling him, you know, anything I wanted to tell him, um, things that I thought he would have gotten mad at or, you know, good things too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, we had like probably the realest conversation I think I've ever had in my life because you realize you're not going to get more time, you know, so why not just let it all out? And, and for anybody ever going through that situation, um, I definitely want to get this out on this podcast. It sucks. You know, uh, I can relate with anybody who's gone through this stuff. It sucks. It really sucks. But if you're sitting there contemplating, what should I do? What should I say? Just don't hold anything back. You know, tell them everything, the bad, the good, the disgusting, whatever. Just <laughs> tell them, you know, g- give them a chance to hear stuff you've always wanted to tell them, you know, and uh, you, you'll be surprised at what they want to respond to, you you know, and, uh, um, and, and things that you never realized they were actually waiting for you to say, you know, and one of the things I got to tell him was that like, I, I never thought he was a shitty father. I always thought he was an amazing man. And because of a lot of what he told me, <clears throat> helped me push through a lot of stuff in my life. And, you know, he started crying. We both started crying. You know, we're both big emotional, like, bitches, I guess you say. But, teddy bears. Teddy uh, yeah, bears. Yeah, teddy bears. Softy teddy bears. <laughs> uh, we, we were both, like, you know, really super emotional people. And, and he he started crying. We're, like, crying. And, you know, he was like, oh, you know, I, I always, like, he always felt like maybe he wasn't a good dad. Maybe he screwed up. And, yeah, he had his faults for sure. He, you know, we all did. But... The man tried his best and did everything he could, and 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 the dude fought his ass off to that whole thing. And the day before he passed away, I knew it was coming. Um, and my my sister and I were fortunate because this wasn't the day before; it was like two days before. Um, I was like, I remember we were getting ready to leave, and I was like, "Hey, Papi," you know, he he couldn't really talk at all; he couldn't open his eyes. And I was like, "Papi, we're gonna leave. I want a hug." And I just remember him, like, you can tell with everything this dude had, his arms shot up, <clears throat> gave him a hug. And my, my older sister, Eva, she she gave him a hug, too. I got a picture of that. He And, and she was like, Bobby, can you open your eyes? Because he hadn't opened his eyes in, like, days. And 
I think even he probably knew what was coming because he, same thing, with whatever energy he had, you know, he, he opened his eyes and gave her a hug. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, two days later. Beautiful moment. Yeah. Very beautiful moment. So. So. Jumping to today, we can find you teaching. Not only are you doing law enforcement, we can find you <laughs> teaching <laughs> yeah. at a mixed martial arts school. Um, um, kick, kickboxing, kickboxing oh, school. Sorry, yeah. kickboxing school, which <laughs> is, if you want to say their name, you could go ahead and say their name, just in case, you know, they want to. Uh, I'll, I'll save it for the next one because I'll, uh, I'll get there how they feel about okay. it as far as the stuff. Okay. Remember, <laughs> legal stuff. Legal stuff. <laughs> oh, okay. So, but yeah. I feel like that's going to be the gist of everything. <laughs> <laughs> legal stuff, guys. But, um, um, yes, you you can find him teaching kickboxing. Um, he's currently going through through the police academy. Yeah. Um, um, we're going to start wrapping it up. We're already at 110 minutes, man. 110 Gosh, Jeremy, minutes. you talk so much. <laughs> <laughs> but if you would allow me, I would love to have you back here. Oh, for sure. Um, Definitely. I would love you to be here more often and, and be a regular with me. Oh, for sure. But, um, you know, a lot, lot less crying the next time. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to tell you that I do love you, man. You are one of my bestest friends ever. Um, and Likewise. I look up to you a lot. I look up to you a lot. And I want to tell you face to face because I know that we always telling each other on the phone or through text. <laughs> but I do want to tell you face to face that I look up to you a lot. And I've always considered you like my older brother. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really appreciate that. I, I've always I can't say I've considered you a younger brother. I think I just considered you a brother. Uh, on the same level, you know, I, I know for anybody who's listened to this podcast, you know, he's, he's got an, a crazy story himself and I've seen you pull yourself. I've seen your support system with your family, but just more importantly, you yourself, I've seen you push through things that a lot of people would, you know, probably give up, you know, and seeing you push through. And then I, I see some of the stuff I go through and it, it really makes me like, am I really complaining about this? Like this dude, I got to keep up with this guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I got to have some stories of my own. Um, but no, man, I, I love you. I love your family as well. Uh, I think this is an awesome podcast. Uh, um, and anybody listening. You don't have to oversell it. You know? Oh, no, I'm going to oversell <laughs> the crap out of it. Okay. I'm underselling it. That's how great it is. But <laughs> no, man, anybody listening, you know, we, we've both gone through so many things and we're sure a lot of people out there can, can relate to it. So, you know, one, one thing that, um, I want to interrupt me. You all heard continue. that. Continue. No, but I, this is why <laughs> one thing that I, that I want to, um, close my podcast with, um, and I did it yesterday with my mom and I want to do it today with you. If you could tell younger Sergio, a word of advice about where you are today, what would you tell yourself? Uh, uh, to be honest, 
I don't really have anything I'd want to change. So I think if I can tell my younger self anything, it would just be, just don't worry so much, you know, um, continue doing what you're doing, continue just pushing through things and, and you will see the benefits. And I know we're kind of running short on time here. One thing I did want to bring up while we were here too is, um, I don't know if you saw it, but on Facebook, I had a post, you know, they give you those little memories. Um, I had a post that I did like six years ago with taking the train to work every day and stuff. And I yes. wrote on the post like, oh, that like, like a day or two ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was funny because it, I, you hear about thinking like, man, I remember when I thought this, but because of social media, you're able to see it now. Like I was like, man, like that was a legit post that I had where I put, uh, you know, I can't wait till life gets better. Like, I like my life, but I can't wait till something changes. And back then I was just on, I was taking a train and buses to work. I had nothing. I just got into a terrible breakup and wondering what the heck, like, how am I going to get through life? What am I going to do? And to see where I'm at now, it was kind of like, wow, like life definitely changed and things do get better for sure. You just got to be positive. You know, I, I don't, I've had some dark times, but to be honest, I could really say, I've always tried to be as positive as I can, no matter what the heck goes on. And that's a huge part of what's carried me this far. And so to younger people, to my younger self, you know, try not to worry so much and just keep pushing forward. You so know? my next question to somebody that's going through a rough time right now, like you went through growing up, you, you know, know. Uh, this is, I would say to anybody younger that that's, been through anything that you probably heard me go through or worse i'm gonna tell you right now like that doesn't define who you're gonna turn out to be it doesn't define what your life is gonna be and don't for a second think that it will you know um if you have something you want to do if you think it's far-fetched then then fine it's always going to be far-fetched but if you truly like believe like yes i, I can achieve this and you work towards it you're, you're, you're gonna get it so anybody out there young, if you're going through something rough, stick it out. You know, it's not going to, it's not going to last forever and, and find something that you like to do and run with it as long as it's not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great way to close the podcast. <laughs> so anyways, with that, uh, we're going to close up. Um, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day today to oh, come thank, here. Thank you for having and, me. And um, hopefully, you know, let this be a blessing to have many more oh and for sure we'll be hearing from you again thank you very much all right all right